expecting you to direct. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. You're listening to Creeper Real. This is Ashley. And I'm Bianca. And we're Creeper Real. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If you didn't know for the fourth time, it is Creeper Real. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Creeper Real. Holy shit, you guys. Did we have an explosion of iTunes reviews this week? Thank you so much for that. Y'all are super incredible. And we definitely adore you. It really does make make our day. It does. It really does. Also, we got a new Patreon today. 420 Patreon. <laughs> that's a that's definitely why <laughs> that's she why. came and joined us. Just because it was 420. But yeah, if you want to join our Patreon and become our family, go over to patreon.com slash pod. You have to type it in that way or else you'll never find us. <laughs> Ever. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to Amber over the weekend, and she is a photographer down in Asheville, North Carolina. Her work is absolutely incredible, and we just wanted to give her a quick shout out to her photography. So go go check her out. Go. What is it? it photography. Address. Oh. <laughs> so you can find her work on flowering.fox.photography. So go over there and check out her work. It's Honestly, very, very beautiful stuff. Oh, and then we did get some more Instagram messages about topics that we are going to definitely do in the future. Added to the list. It's definitely been added. So if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss or research, please feel free to message us. Message us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or creepitrealpod at gmail.com. mm mm-hmm. Last week, we had a ton of fun discussing cults like we usually do. Sort of. I don't know what to think about that situation. (sighs) I love talking about cults and the craziness. No, I know, but I'm not even sure if it's a cult situation. I don't really know what Lori Mm -hmm. Vallow is. Yeah, she's... At this point. She's something. So, but we did decide to dedicate a full episode to one that we found absolutely fascinating. And we are gathered here today to learn about somebody who may very well be a huge piece of garbage... A real see you next, you're a cunt, if you'll pardon my French. <laughs> At Creep It Real, we are champions for equality, and that goes for showing you that women can be just as absolutely murderous and horrible as you gents out there are so often inclined to be. <laughs> so often inclined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, who's the one that's going around killing people more often than not? Let's be real. That's true. Without realizing it, we have delved into weeks upon weeks of sociopathic serial killing women. And today, my creepy babies is no exception. Maybe. So let us begin the tale of Valentina de Andrade. And the cult of superior universal alignment, yet another lame as fuck name, which in the end may be a story altogether different than what it first appeared to be. So for a little bit of background information, during the 1980s, there was a surge of what is known commonly as satanic panic. Ah! This was due to allegations of satanic ritual abuse that involved physical and sexual abuse in the context of both occult and satanic rituals. This was because in the 70s, there was a rise in occultism, satanism and evangelical fear. A number of factors contributed to the increased interest in and fear of the occult during the late 1960s and 70s. Obviously, the Manson cult's operation in late 1960s culminated in a string of mass murders in the summer of 1969 that both shocked the nation and put organized ritualistic killing on the brain. That same year, organist-turned-occultist Anton LaVey published his philosophical treatise, The Satanic Bible, which plagiarized several sources and mostly regurgitated earlier philosophies of self-actualization and self-empowerment from writers like H.L. Mencken and Ayn Rand. More like, go fuck yourself, I've got mine. <laughs> that's Ayn Rand for sure. Yeah, that's, just, that's the philosophy, <laughs> not self-actualization. It's just, it's I'm, okay to be selfish. I'm the only one in the world, okay? <laughs> Nevertheless, it became the seminal work of modern Satanism and the key text for the Church of Satan, a group LaVey had officially founded in 1966. Hail Satan. Hail, Hail Satan. Beelzebub. <laughs> Accompanying the rise of Satanism as 
a recognized practice was the 1971 publication of the best-selling novel The Exorcist and its blockbuster 1973 film adaptation. With its claims of being based on a true story, The Exorcist profoundly impacted America's collective psyche regarding the existence of demons and single-handedly transformed the popular Ouija board from a fun, harmless parlor game into a malevolent device capable of inducing spirit possession, demonic infestation, or other paranormal activity. And who's to say it doesn't? (laughs) The publication of LaVey's Satanic Rituals that same year reinforced the idea that dark occult rituals had become a routine part of life for many Americans. And though it had no connections to Satanism or traditional occult religion, near the end of the decade, the Jonestown Massacre gave the world another indelible example of what violence in a cult looked like. Even though, if you know anything about Jonestown, it was a super Christian-based cult in its Mm -hmm. infancy and right to the very end. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind as we go along. This satanic panic is definitely something to keep in mind because we we haven't really covered a lot of it so far and creep it real but it is a real problem that caused a bunch of people to be found guilty for crimes they did not commit yeah a huge case that we all know is well, or a lot of true crime nerds know is the west memphis three and a lot of cases of satanic panic they do convict people and then years and years later they're like oh oopsie 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 daisy oopsie daisy we were just odd. panicking so keep that in mind as we go along. Let's just see how things progress here, everybody. Valentina de Andrade said that she received her gift of prophecy in 1981. She claimed to have a life-altering encounter with divine cosmic beings. Beings or beings? <laughs> keep going. I like it. Beings <laughs> who were there to deliver extraterrestrial messages to her so that she may go forth and spread their truth to the rest of the earthly world. So I've never encountered divine cosmic beings so far in my life, but I've definitely encountered some divine cosmic beings Fuck you. that have sent me <laughs> to the skies. <laughs> so she claimed to have received messages from these beings and they gave her exclusive, quote, universal knowledge. From her website, she says, which, by the way, is impossible <sighs> to decipher. I tried to decipher it while I was researching, and then I saw Ashley talked about it, and I was like, whoa, impressive. It's <laughs> really a piece of work. It is the inner workings of somebody's mind that doesn't have their grounding in reality whatsoever. It so. is a website. <laughs> <laughs> you can go look. It's her name.com, <laughs> which I'm going to have to say at some point. So she says, I materialized energy in the planet Earth with the name Valentine de Andrade. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, and Andrade. In honor to light, love, truth, engrave that the revelations contained on this site are native from cosmic individualities, not existing who can question this declaration, as I own plenty of materials to prove what I affirm here. Okay. <laughs> It's completely true, and I can prove it because I own it. I, and I have stuff that will prove it, if only you could see. So then, in all caps, it says, Do not confuse Jesus with God. They are antagonistic consciences. Mm. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff. There's As all cults have, their little mumbo-jumbo. This is no exception. And I will say, it's too much for you to really think about. You know, she believes that she's the essence of light, love, and life. There's a lot of that. She must be on a lot of hallucinogenic drugs mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah. She's candy flipping. I think that's what you call when you take a couple things at a time. I've She's, never heard that. Oh, well. <laughs> you clearly didn't do drugs in no, high school. No, I didn't. So, okay. Contrary to what my mom would believe, that's fine. <laughs> oh, geez. So the energies were generated by means of light beings triangulations she says do not compare this magnificence with sex (laughs) i don't know so is she trying to say she had this encounter with a divine being when she was maybe having sex or masturbating i'm almost there lady 
I'm I'm five steps away. <laughs> so five steps. Um, uh, anyway, so there's just so much bizarre stuff. Here's some stuff about fingerprints. She says every human being brings different fingerprints. Why? The same as fights between parents, sons, brothers, relatives, friends, unknown people, etc. What could be the motives? No one gets to understand, but I do. Oh. Due to the answers that I own. Mm, she owns the answers. Good for her. She's not going to share them to you, though, no. unless you buy her book. Mm. Oh, there's a paywall? There is a paywall. What? In a cold? Yes. Oh, that um, is the most surprising. Yeah. So there's just so many things. So many things. So she says there's gifted people. Every energy keeps inside her memories, endowments that remain from what manifested at some time in a previous life. When reincarnating, the energy recovers those memories memories and exposes them. Therefore, dignitaries from remote ages are in the matter now or waiting their time to come down and to manifest. In this way, even a child can show himself as an outstanding physicist, mathematician, performer, musician, speaking different languages from the land he lives, combined dates, months, years, and many others. I have heard that belief yes. that we are reincarnated, of course, I've yeah. heard the reincarnation. And I've heard stories about kids being able to mm -hmm. remember things. It's compelling. It, which we've is we've totally compelling. Yeah, for sure. This. Yeah. That, that, and that, uh, that's something that I don't necessarily, I can't subscribe to. Well, no, I can't naysay. Mm -hmm. What if there are multiple existences and you gather collective wisdom from all of them, but maybe you don't know how to tap into it. Who knows? That could be something that I would subscribe to. Who knows, everyone? Mm -hmm. That's the thing, you know, when everybody wants to get all up in arms about religion because they think that I'm being, you know, a naysayer, I'm pretty open to everybody having their own, but I'm also going to be pretty open to you making fun of what I have to say. Of course. And I'm going to sure shit make fun of you, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. So, regardless, next, so she has something to say about homosexuality, which she says, neither is... I'm going to get to the point, because she does a lot of, like, Sarah Palin word mumbo-jumbo. I, I feel like she was like, this could be one sentence, but then people won't take me seriously, so I, I need to make it 17 sentences that are all just saying And then people nothing. will take me seriously. But she does say that she feels that homosexuality is programmed in the energy, and from the childhood, puberty, adult, or due time, the energy sends out towards the physical conscience what is congenital, not existing doctors or someone who boasts to know will get to modify that programming. And, you know, she does say that she's not very literate and she also is trying to speak English when mm -hmm. she is not a native English speaker. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of this that's like, well, I get the basic idea. <laughs> but anyway, so it sounds a little bit mumbly, but so she says he or she will feel an irresistible physical attraction by his or her own sex. Therefore, when the energe energetic information is received, couples break off. One of the members or both join separately to whom he or she is attracted to. It is criminal and unfair not to allow them to be happy. Which is true. Yeah. They only want to love and to be loved freely. Where, where is the lack of shame or crime? Insensitive parents are not parents, but executors of their own sons and daughters. It has to be understood that homosexuals are the victims of the programming originated by that one whom you say to accept and whose wishes you respect. That's He's something that I can get on board with. There's a couple of things I can get on board with, but also she's clearly not well <laughs> at the same time. Okay. Okay. So then let's get to the day that she has foreseen is going to be the end of the world. She does. Okay. So she has a book. She has a couple books actually. And they are, according to her website, sold out. I don't know if that means that she has three copies at a time so that she can always be sold out or uh -huh. what. But in her website, she goes through this long list of things that she will give you answers to that are in the book. She's like, so if you want to know the answer to celestial mechanics and meticulous graphics, get my book. Uh -huh. Parallel universes, get my book. Vectors and supernovas creation. What about life after death? Apparent death in the so-named luminous tunnels. Yep. Where, where can I find that? In her book. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What about <laughs> comatose states and reasons why after coming around no, ex no experience memories are remembered? I don't know. That's in her book, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Organs, donation, and causes of rejections in her book. Her book. Okay, good, 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 good. Deja vu. Book. Dead people seen in photos and in different places. <laughs> In her book, <laughs> Vanishing of Objects, Haunted Houses, Miracles. 
in her book. Oh, damn it. I was really thinking that was going to be another option here. Oh, my gosh. So all those things. Energetic experiences while sleeping. Mm. Oh, in her book. Okay. Okay. So all those things you can have the answers to if you get God the Great Farce. Okay. Which is on Amazon, but it's sold out, too. Sold out? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm not sure why. (laughs) Her neighbors are said to have found her, quote unquote, talents of clairvoyance and fortune telling quite remarkable. And she became a seer in the Amazonian town she lived in of Altamira. She embarked upon her mission to spread the information she had received and penned her book, God, the big farce, claiming that God does not exist and Jesus is an extraterrestrial. He's an alien, y'all. Mm-hmm. Which, sure, maybe he is, mm-hmm. for all we know. Oh, so this cult of hers, which we're, you know, I saw it, I saw it superior universal lineage. I saw superior universal alignment. Obviously, there's probably a translation situation going on. So superior universal alignment is probably the most accurate. Mm-hmm. It's obviously another doomsday cult as the, as she has a end of the world date that she gave her followers. Check mark two. <laughs> end of, end of the world date. Okay, cool. Yep. And if this, wait, not- wait, wait. <laughs> is there a compound? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Okay. Okay. But if, if this sounds familiar, it's because the only cult with any kind of originality is ours. Clearly. Yeah. So she calls herself Mary Magdalene, who followed Jesus' steps to the cavalry. A central pillar to the beliefs of the superior universal alignment is that children born after 1981 are a reincarnation of evil and must be expunged. Gross. Is Lori Vallow really following this broad's beliefs? Probably. Ugh. To become a member, one must abandon one's children and only the true adherents were to avoid the pending destruction of the Earth by escaping in a spacecraft. What's up? (laughs) Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And seriously, though, I'm starting to wonder if Lori Vallow is actually a superior universal alignment (laughs) follower. Yeah. In the book, she's not, not Lori Vallow. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm hearkening back to last episode, but in her book, Valentina states, watch out for the children. They are unconscious instruments of the great scam called God and his evil collaborators. So as we mentioned in the last episode, the failed prophecy of every doomsday cult that has ever existed always tends to leave its followers a little on edge. What are they to believe? Who are they to trust when everything that they have been living for is proven to be a lie? And of course, this is exactly what happened here with Valentina and her followers. Unfortunately, since they had been indoctrinated with the cult's teachings, instead of using logic to determine that they had been lied to, they turned their scrutiny inward and began to question their own piety. Oh, God. (laughs) You know, maybe they were living wrong. Maybe they were not as devoted Mm. and selfless Mm -hmm. as they should have been. Maybe they were the reason their beloved leader's prophecy didn't come true. Of course, it was their fault. Of course it was. (laughs) So easy to figure this out. Naturally, Valentina upped the stakes. She accused her followers of not proving their loyalty and of not believing strongly enough. You sons of bitches. I would have been right had you only stopped having sex. Oh, God. She told them that if they were to unequivocally demonstrate their adherence to her teachings, that the ship would finally come. And that's when the children began disappearing. Let's fast forward a bit. Two years later, in 1989, young boys began to go missing in Para mm-hmm. and neighboring Maranao. In total, 19 boys between the ages of 8 and 13 disappeared from 1989 to 1993. The boys had been raped, tortured, and stabbed to death, but the depravity did not end there. Their bodies were then mutilated with organs and genitals having been removed. Many had been burned with cigarettes and other items and had gunshot holes riddling their bodies. Their eyes had been ripped out, fingers and hands were removed, and like we said, the genitals were removed or mutilated. It's disgusting. The children were all poor males, and the bodies of the boys were identified as homeless children who had worked on the streets, quite a few of them being shoe shiners. However, most of the missing boys had been reported missing by their families. And of course, due to the extreme level of violence, the murders garnered widespread attention. The region was in a panic, and the police initiated seven separate investigations. Though several of the children were indigent, making living as shoeshine boys in the town center, the police couldn't seem to make a connection, and the probes went nowhere. And that seems kind of like a lesser dead situation. 
you know, we don't want to do as much investigation into these poor shoe shiners right. because whatever. They're just shoe shiners, you know? It would probably stir up more trouble than, than it's, it's worth. worth. Yeah. Which is not true, obviously. Oh, we're of not, course we're it's not. not subscribing to these. No, movies. I say lesser dead like like last podcast talks about the lesser dead yeah, being like, sex workers or right, right. indigenous women or whoever, you mm-hmm. know? Yes, obviously. Or not obviously, but definitely. So the known victims included three boys who managed to escape. And they were a boy named Joseph who was eight. He was attacked on August 2nd, 1989, after he left his residence and was enticed by a man. The boy was found hours later with injuries and signs of sexual abuse. There was Otonio, 10, who on November 16th, 1989, was approached by a man who invited him to go eat mangoes with him. After a long walk, the man put a strong smelling cloth over his face, making him pass out. When he woke up, he noticed that he was bleeding between his legs. Currently, he lives in Altamira with his mother and is undergoing psychological treatment. He underwent dozens of surgeries for genital implantation and reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Then there was... Waldeclay, who was nine, and on July 23rd, 1990, a stranger invited him to help him get a kite down from a tree. In the woods, the man put a cloth over his face and made him pass out. He was castrated and sexually abused. When he woke up, he went to find help. Like Otoniel, he also had to undergo several reconstructive surgeries and psychological treatment. Mm. And we'll talk a little bit more about those boys whenever we talk about the trial and they give their testimony, but it is absolutely horrific what they had to go through after their attack. Absolutely. The six boys who were murdered and whose bodies were later found were Alton Fonseca, who was 10 years old. On May 5th, 1991, a police report was registered about his disappearance. His remains were found 46 days later, and his body was taken to the morgue in Belém, but disappeared before it could be analyzed. Jurdelay de Dacuña, 13 years old, on January 1st, 1992, the boy socialized with an unknown individual at a site and then disappeared. His body was found days later naked, castrated, with signs of sexual violence, perforations, and burns. Then there was Ednaldo de Souza Teixeira, 12, who was killed on April 11th, 1992. His body was found beside an artesian well with signs of being beaten. There was then Janez da Silva Pessoa, 13. He was murdered on October 1st, 1992, while taking care of his family's cattle. His body was found days later, castrated with signs of sexual abuse and torture. He also had his eyes gouged out and his hands chopped off. Clebson Ferreira Caldas was 13 and found murdered on November 17th, 1992, naked, castrated, and showed signs of torture. Finally, there was Flavio Lopez da Silva, who was 10, went missing on March 27, 1993. His body was found days later with signs of torture and injury to the genitals. He had human bite marks on his body and his glands penis cut off and his scrotum torn out. Oh my god. Why, why? are there people out there like Just why? this? Why? And then there were five boys who went missing but were never found. There was Tito Mendez, 13, who on January 20th, 1991, the boy went to swim one day and disappeared. He was seen by a witness in the company of an unknown man. There was JCB, who was 11. He disappeared on August 21st, 1991. The case was dismissed at the time because there were no clues as to what happened to the boy. There was Mauricio de Souza, who was 12. On, on December 27th, 1992, he went to pick up a payment from a woman he worked for and was last seen in the company of a man on a red bicycle. There was Renan de Souza who was nine on January 23rd, 1993, the boy went out to play on the banks of the Chingu river. He was last seen in the company of two men. Why are all these men such fucking Mm. predators? Then there was RFS. He was 11 on July 9th, 1993. He was a shoe shiner who left his tools in a supermarket, which he normally did not do since that day. He has never been located. Months earlier, the boy's brother had escaped an an abduction attempt. So, obviously, these poor, it's like horrible. These poor little, little kids who had to work for a living Mm -hmm. were being obviously predated on by some fucking creeps. Whether it was 
the superior alignment church or cult or something else. We don't know. And in 1990, after the first investigations were completed, the Pará police arrested Rotilio de Sousa, who was a drifter and wandered through the city streets. Investigators truly believed he was responsible, but then he died in prison under suspicious circumstances some months later. However, the occurrence of new deaths with the same characteristics as the previous ones showed that he wasn't the perpetrator and the investigation resumed. Honestly, regarding that guy, I almost wonder if you show kids a picture of five different drifters who are all homeless wandering from town to town are they really going to be able to pick out i don't know maybe they could but it's just it's very it would have been easy i think to be like this is the guy that did it don't you think yeah of course work went on and other lines of investigation were followed one of them maintained the existence of an alleged gang of traffickers who were kidnapping the city's children to extract their organs To the police, the cuts that were made to the bodies in order to extract the organs led them to believe it was performed by someone with clinical experience and motivations. Two doctors had recently moved to the area, physician Anicio Ferreira de Souza and gynecologist Cecio Brandao caught the attention of the investigators and they were taken into custody for questioning. Though, experts suggested that the organs would have been unable to be used, as in transplanted, after they were extracted, so it kind of cut into the police's uh, theories there. And without any proof that this wasn't the case, that they that they could be used, the two doctors were released from custody and the case went cold. Then, one day, uh, the nine-year-old we talked about, Juan de Clay Pinero, miraculously escaped his captors. He identified them as multiple prominent members of society, among them a police officer, two physicians, the son of a wealthy land baron, and the boss herself, Valentina de Andrade. As you'd expect, this news absolutely shocked the community, and that was just the beginning. As the investigation developed, a grisly picture was painted about what had been going on within the cult. There were tales of ritualistic abuse, cannibalism, and the doctors of the group allegedly even removed the boys' organs to sell on the black market like we just talked about. On April 6th, 1992, in Guaratuba, on the coast of Paraná, Evandro Ramos Cateño, 7, disappeared in the short walk from his home to school. Days later, his body was found in a thicket without hair, hands, toes, or internal organs. According to the investigation, they believed he had been killed in a black magic ritual, to which I would typically call bullshit, mm-hmm. as we subscribe to no satanic panic around no, here. Ma'am. But in this case, I'll allow it because maybe that was going on. So he had been murdered the day following his kidnapping, and it had all taken place at the abandoned sawmill of the then mayor, Aldo Abaji. In 1993, the researchers reopened the case and rearrested D'Souza and Brandao again. According to witnesses, these men participated in a sect called the Superior Universal Lineage, a mystical organization that, among other things, challenged the Western idea of divinity and preached caution in living with children. Yes, as we've said. In a book called God, the Great Farce or Scam, the sect's founder, Valentina de Adrade, stated, Watch out for children. They are unconscious instruments of the great scam called God and his evil collaborators. The text also called children violent and recommended paying special attention to those born after 1981. Yes, because they were supposedly inherently evil. Supposedly. After 1981, 82, get out of here. <laughs> I know, God. So you and I... We're We're fucked. Well, I'm I'm fucked beyond belief because I was born like what were you born in like ninety ninety (laughs) two? Oh, oops. Okay. Due to its eccentric religious philosophy, the organization was investigated in Paraná for alleged involvement in the kidnapping and murder of Evandro Ramos Caetano in 1992. At that time, searches were carried out on Valentina's estate, where hoods and videos were found in which, according to the police, she said in a trance, kill little children. However, experts found that the expression used was actually, yes, but there are more experienced little children. I'm confused about that. I'm confused. I mean, I think there were videotapes of her saying one thing, but it is is translated a little bit differently or... You can hear, like, you know, yeah. certain words sounds like certain things. And, and we are, you know, almost every single article that 
I found for this was in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. So being translated and then I'm trying to translate that translation because some of it is a little hairy. Mm -hmm. So who the heck really knows mm -hmm. what they exactly mean when they said it was, it was, uh, found that what she really said was, right. Yes, but there are more experienced little children. Those are two definitely different sentences. <laughs> Kill the little children or, Yes, but there are more experienced children. Yeah, you know what? Children. In Spanish, it's very different. Now that I'm thinking about what kill little children and there are more experienced little children, like there are more experienced little children is obvious. But in Portuguese, I'm not fluent in Portuguese. I just can understand it. I don't know what that sentence would be. I just wonder, are they just trying to say translated because it was hard to actually hear, hear her and so they're, it's like when someone has an evp video and mm. you know people are like it says this you've already put it in their mind so who knows So of course it's gonna sound like that or she maybe just had a good lawyer in this case who knows well anyways regardless in view of this the material was disregarded and valentina's name was removed from the judicial inquiry she claimed to have never worked with the organization in brazil and had visited Altamira only a few times, the last time being in 1987. Oh, distancing yourself from the cold, I see. Mm. That's a, a new trick. Well, Listen, okay. I'll never distance myself from you. Neither will I. So at the time, police also arrested the mayor's wife, Selena, and her daughter, Beatrice, who admitted that they had ordered the ritual to bring fortune and justice to the family. Eder Mauro, who led the investigation, said that he had gathered enough evidence that indicated that there was indeed a link between the deaths of the boys and black magic rituals. But any religious person is probably is going, going to say to, that. Mm -hmm. And even if, even in a country that's as tied to Santeria as Brazil would be, there, it's a huge Catholic community right. too. Mm -hmm. Although investigation had several flaws, no autopsies were performed on the corpses, no forensic examinations were performed on the body locations, and there were no direct, there was no direct evidence connecting any of the accused to the crimes. Those are slightly huge issues. Sli like <laughs> smallly huge. Eventually, on September 6th, 1993, the indictment was accepted by the prosecutor and the complaint was forwarded to the judiciary where it was accepted by Judge Orlando Arifano. Valentina and six others were indicted for their crimes. So who were these people? Anicio Ferreira de Sousa was a doctor and a spiritualist. He was accused of doing the castrations. Witnesses claimed to have seen him praying to the, quote, God of Darkness and According to police, as not to arouse suspicion, the doctor treated residences, residents of the region for affordable prices. He also provided free housing as well as making campaigns to raise donations to help needy families. Holy shit. Was he just a really nice guy or, or was he covering for something? Or was he like Pablo Escobar who did the same uh, thing? Yeah. Cecio Brandao was, was the doctor that we spoke about. He was indicted based on witness testimony and also alleged to have done the castrations. He had a temporary arrest issued on July 9th, 1993, which was later converted to a preventative one. He remained in a Belém prison for two years until he obtained a habeas corpus to await trial in freedom. Then there was Amailton Madeira Gomez, who was the gay heir to several farms and gas stations. According to investigators, it was him who attracted and raped the boys. Oh, Jesus Christ. <sighs> Okay, with that homophobia, I'm guaranteeing. Witnesses claim to have seen him with a bloodstained shirt upon the disappearance of one of the victims, which... I mean, we, if you're me, sometimes you yeah, are covered in blood. Sure. Why are you covered in blood? Well. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> then there was Carlos Alberto Santos Lima, who is a military policeman and working as a security guard at a gas station belonging to Gomez. According to investigators, he himself confessed to being part of the criminal group. Huh. Then there was Aldenor Ferreira Cardoso, another military policeman, also accused of providing security to the sect. Jose Amadeus Gomez, Amailton's father, accused of masterminding the murders committed by the doctors. And according to police, he practiced the rituals for financial gain, like we just spoke about. Mm -hmm. And clearly, Valentina de Andrade, who was the sect leader and intellectual mentor for the homicides. At the time, she was 75, and she faced up to 100 in prison. 
Among the defendants, only Jose Amadeus Gomez and Valentina de Andrade had no pretrial detention and were allowed to walk free until their trials. Which, I wonder why. I do too. I mean, I was going to say because they had money, but the doctors probably had money too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Due to the nature of the complaint, the court case against the seven defendants was referred to the jury. The Brazilian constitution establishes that it is up to this court to adjudicate cases involving intentional crimes against life. However, in order to reach the trial stage, the law states that the complaint must be approved in what is called the investigation stage, where the target of the trial is not the accused party, but more so evaluating what evidence the prosecution has to present in the trial. So in this investigation phase, it went on for quite a while and was quite controversial. Mm. On several occasions, there were decisions that were made in Altamira that were revoked at higher levels, leading to the process being put on hold and then resumed multiple times. Three different judges participated in this phase. Take it away, Bianca. Orlando Arifano, Roberto Vieira, and Hernane Ferreira Malato. On September 10th, 1993, the complaint against the seven accused was offered to the judiciary. The then responsible for the third criminal court for the district of Altamira, Orlando Arafano, accepted the complaint and initiated the investigation phase, calling for testimony from the witnesses and informants. Among the witnesses summoned was Duilio Nolasco Pereira, former husband of Valentina de Andrade and of owner of a hotel in Altamira. On November 30th, 1993, Duilio testified to seeing Valentina in town touring with a group of friends in 1986. What also caught his attention was the way these, quote, friends revered the way she sat or got up. What does that mean? I don't know. It's kind of like the way I look at you, Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) Another witness, 74-year-old Agostinho Jose de Costa, testified that he saw the doctor, Cecil Brandao, leaving one of the locations where a victim was found carrying a knife covered in blood. Interesting. Detective Mauro also found the fact that a maid of one of the doctors who was to testify as a witness in his trial ended up mysteriously dying during their investigation. She reportedly had witnessed some rituals and was set to be a witness for the prosecution. According to another witness, Edmilson Jacilva Frasal reportedly attended a satanic cult at de Sousa's house in 1991 where he saw Valentina. Gosh, it's hard to tell... What is panic and what is yes. truth? I I completely agree. And sometimes it really might be both. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Okay. So while former members of Superior Alignment did testify that there was no real, there was no ritualistic crime or kidnapping that took place in the cult, they did accuse Valentina of having committed coercive persuasion. So like Marilyn Manson. Uh, nope, not the, not that one. Charles Manson. <laughs> Marilyn Manson did persuade all of us to get down to his music. <laughs> the beautiful for a while. people. The beautiful, beautiful people. people. <laughs> ah, Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Yes. Which actually, the reason I even started reading about this cult was because I was reading about Charles Manson a little bit, and I and I it was like a segue, like, hey, there's actually a woman who's way more horrible. So. Pff, is she? I'm not sure. But yes, that's what they're claiming is that she had committed coercive persuasion and had forced couples to turn their babies and children over Oof. to childless couples or other family members so that they themselves could leave the planet on the incoming spaceship. They said she told them that these children were, quote, negative energies and had advised them that they needed to be left behind. Left behind. So that in itself to some, might seem just as terrible, (laughs) maybe not just as terrible as absolute, you know, uh, mutilation mutilation and murder, but I'm sure that would be quite a terrible situation for a a parent who, I guess, is not of sound mind and decides to go listen to this lady, give her children away. A confidential source says the woman's abuses betrayed the mission, using her extraterrestrial imparted knowledge for her benefit and not for the common good, which is what you should all use your extraterrestrial Of course, that's what I use mine for. For which reason the the teachings 
for which reason the teachings must be purified from her distortions and rescued from the ridicule she created by her ravings, which she definitely mm-hmm. likes a good raving. Oh, she does. Oh, my. I mean, we all do, but she definitely takes it to a whole other level. Oh, but it is funny to see them say that she betrayed the mission of these extraterrestrial... The, the, the mission the extraterrestrials gave her. Which came from her mind. <laughs> That's fine. Which absolutely came from her just getting a rockin' <laughs> masturbatory session off one night, and then She's like, I've seen a special enlightened being in my room. He gave me knowledge. It's like, lady, you just diddled yourself. She got a vibrator for the first time. In early 1994, upon hearing the case, the then prosecutor Roberto Pino dismissed the defendants for lack of evidence. Prosecutor Antonio... Why do we all have to have five names? Because it, it, it makes it five times as hard for me to say. Antonio Ferreira rebutted Pino's arguments and summoned Frazio's testimony, a key witness in the inquiry. And that's the one who we were talking about had seen a satanic ritual being taken place at the doctor's home. Then on May 17th, Frazio reiterated his previous testimony given in the police investigation. However, he contradicted himself when he could not say when the alleged acts occurred. When asked, he cited 1989 or 1990, when in his first statement, he claimed that he had seen the satanic ritual going on in 1991. And I don't know if that's a matter of just it being multiple years since you've seen something, Mm -hmm. or if he is just fabricating this whole story altogether. Who knows? Still, Judge Arifano found the statement satisfactory, which might be indicative of his part to play here. I don't Mm -hmm. know. And on June 20th, contrary to the prosecutor's wishes, he pronounced the accused as guilty. Because, like we said, is he sitting on a... Bed of lies, this judge. Bed of lies. He's sitting on the throne of lies. Is he sitting on a throne of hamburger meat and lies? The judge's decision was challenged by the defense team, who filed an appeal to the state court. On November 21st, 1994, a prosecutor named Caselo Branco accepted the appeal due to the lack of evidence for the conviction. When the decision was published, several social groups organized in Belém and promoted large mobilizations. Were they just like, get these people out of jail. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Get them out. <laughs> there was also the symbolic burial of the Altamira prosecutor who, fearing for his safety, had to leave the city. That's right, bitch. Under pressure, on December 22nd, the three judges voted to maintain the arrest of the suspects and continue the process. The judicial proceeding was at an advanced stage only awaiting a date for the defendant's jury trial. Part of the evidence used against Valentina in the trial were those two videotapes which had been collected 11 years prior when her husband and she were arrested in suspicion of that seven-year-old Leon, which we, I think, briefly touched on earlier, Leandro Bossi. He went missing, and they were investigated. In addition to another little boy that had some, I think, gone, gone missing at the time, because I think you talked about that. So, however, just as nothing really amounted from the tapes 11 years prior. Nothing came from them the second time around either because those tapes obviously were just some home videos of them doing some little ritual that probably wasn't... It clearly wasn't them uh, sacrificing a child. A child right? Yes. They couldn't even make out what they were saying, clearly. So a, another one of the highlights of the first session was the reading of excerpts from Valentina's book, which, understandably, her lawyers did not want to be read in court because it was a little bit batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless... To use the technical term. <laughs> Nevertheless, the judge found it pertinent to the trial, obviously. Because, you know, there's some of the stuff in here is definitely makes it seem like mm-hmm. it could be the case right. that these cult members are the ones that were mutilating and murdering mm-hmm. boys. So the investigator testified that the book cited spells that would be performed with children's genitals. Oof. The, he says the book says that this kind of magic brings progress, wealth, and health to practicing people. And so if you've ever done any reading into black magic or the occult and rituals that could be done, there are fucked up yeah. things that are included in genitals, geni- blood from genitals, you know. It's all, um, gen- it's all about genitals. There's so much genitals. And we kind of talked about it on maybe Bohemian Grove, maybe which Franklin. I believe, which I believe. I mean, there's like masturbating to a sigil and like if you're a man. Well, I guess both, right? Masturbating to a sigil. I mean, there's so much weird. Not not that masturbating to a sigil isren't you know. (laughs) (laughs) What are you trying to say? I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you want to masturbate to a sigil, everyone, go masturbate ahead. Masturbate to a sigil. We're not judging you about it. But if you're using children's genitals to cast a spell. I'm going to judge you a little I'm bit. I'm judging you a lot. <laughs> so here's where I'm not, honestly, I'm not real sure if translate the translation of the news has really done the story justice because it does say that it did say that the defendants would confess to the kidnapping of that seven-year-old Leonardo Bossi. I'm sure that I'm not saying that right. Who had disappeared in February of the year prior, and they claim to have sold the boy to a foreigner. And I just don't know who it is that confessed to this, or if they really actually confessed to mm-hmm. This, or if they did confess, they claimed multiple times that they were pretty much tortured by the police, and mm. that's why they confessed to anything. Which I, I don't, I don't, I don't not lend that. I lend that credence is what I want to say. Yeah, like I initially, I was, I was like, mm, okay, you know, every, with your, with your saying you were tortured. Then multiple people over different cases said that they were tortured to to admit whatever they admitted and so then it started making me wonder <laughs> is that going on right it may actually be going on here obviously the defense would say that the evidence against all of these people was a sham and the case against them was completely fabricated and it, like we've said a million times maybe it was maybe it wasn't maybe it's kind of a combination of both so on the second day of the trial, Otoniel Costa and Juanisle Piñero, two of the survivors who had escaped their captors, testified. In Otoniel's testimony, he stated that he was 100% sure that it was Carlos Alberto, former military police, who had lured him to an isolated location and mutilated his genitals. Also, just to say, you know, to go bring back the Franklin cover-up and whatnot again, there were a lot of police involved in that, mm-hmm. too. I'm not saying, like... It translates over 100%, but it's not out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. that there are police officers that molest and Because people murder. are just pieces of shit. Yes. He said he was called by a man on a bicycle to pick up mangoes, and when he arrived, the man tied a shirt around his face and he passed out. He was sexually assaulted and castrated, having been found unconscious with a terrible amount of beating, bleeding between his legs. Although the jo- judge had ordered the defendants from the courtroom, Otoniel said he did not care if he remained in the room so that he could stay and listen. That makes me feel like he is telling the... That kind of made me feel like he was telling the truth because I'm like, he if he's like, bitch, I don't care. Yeah. He can stay in here and listen to what I have to say yep. about what he did to me. That made me feel like he wasn't just fabricating, fabricating story. stories. I don't know. And so, with the accuser's permission, all the defendants were able to sit in the courtroom during his testimony. Wandisley, on the other hand, testified while being accompanied by a psychologist. He also ID'd Carlos Alberto and, according to the prosecutor, was shaken by having seen his attacker in court the day prior. Yet again, that gives a little... Both boys testified for about an hour each and answered questions from the judge, the defense, and prosecutors. The prosecution also showed the trauma the boys went through after the attacks as they had, as they each had to undergo several reconstructive surgeries for their mutilated sexual organs. Juan de Slay had nearly 20 surgeries, 20 surgeries, God. along with his body rejecting oh. the implanted organ. Oh. The defense sought to disqualify their testimonies, saying that the boys ID'd other individuals shortly after the attacks, but they said that they were afraid of being killed at the time if they reported the actual perpetrators, which mm-hmm. makes sense if it is, uh, in fact, a military police. Mm-hmm. When asked why he was now able to ID Carlos Alberto Otoniel said, In the past, I was a frightened child, and today I am already a man. I assume my actions, and I am no longer afraid. One of the leaders of the group, Osvaldo Marcinero, confessed to murdering a number of young children in satanic rituals in which the children were tortured, murdered, and their body parts cannibalized. A number of prominent citizens were arrested in relation to the murders, and it later emerged that they had paid the cult to conduct the murderous ceremonies. A search on cult members' houses turned up cult registers, guns, hooded cloaks, a hundred videotapes of cult ceremonies and Satanist publications, including Valentina's 200-page book, Brazilian authorities suggested that the cult was connected to Satanic groups internationally. But was it? <sighs> but was it? But that said, maybe rich people were paying them to conduct... God, I, I hear I'm like, I'm like, but was it? Let's change the subject. That said, do you think this could possibly be true? I can't get over it because I'm just thinking... Damn it. If they really think that it could bring them prosperity, why did some of them admit to this stuff? I'm right. so 
confused right now. The men were convicted and given life sentences for their part in torturing the boys and ending their lives. Valentina had an alibi which placed her out of the country at the time of the murders, and she was let go without any charges, which was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So Valentina managed to flee the country and continued her cult, well, sort of continued her cult for over a decade. She lived in various places from Las Vegas to Ar- Argentina to Uruguay. On March 24th, 1995, Edmilson da Silva Frasal surprised the court by requesting a new hearing. In his testimony, he refuted everything he had previously claimed, saying that he had been under pressure from the federal police. And this is the one who claimed he saw the satanic ritual going on Mm -hmm. at Valentina's house. Three days later, Edmilson returned to the court and reaffirmed his statements, claiming that he was urged and coerced to give further testimony by three men named Ercilio, Arnaldo, and Amadio, who offered him money and saying that he couldn't refuse. Accordingly, the defense lawyers sent a habeas corpus application to the federal Supreme Court, alleging that Judge Arifano rigged the case in his in this part, which made the right of defense impossible. And maybe he did. The second panel acknowledged irregularities in the case and issued a request to the state court ordering the hearing of new defense statements, which reopened the investigation phase and nullified the defendant's conviction. However, the habeas corpus was not granted. In August of 1995, the first chamber of the state court of justice decided to revoke the probation of Cecil Brandao, who was held for more than two years in Belém. After the decision, Brandao declared his intention to sue the state, claiming to have been used by as a scapegoat by authorities to hide flaws in the investigation process. Mm. On September 12th, the other defendants were also released following the same line as Cecil's lawyers. I mean... I would say, gosh, I'm sorry that here I'm just going, I don't know what to think here. I just can't believe what developed here. Mm -hmm. So from that point on, the cult ceased all public operations and Valentina officially moved from Brazil altogether, taking up residence in Buenos Aires. She was only followed by a few faithful followers and had lost hundreds who had broken out of her clutches and realized the psychological manipulation and economic exploitation to which they were subjected under her leadership, like all cult leaders but us. In the least surprising aspect of the story, she continues to preach to a flock of clearly disillusioned individuals who do not care about the part that she may or may not have played in the murders of a horde of young boys in the late 80s and early 90s. Some other little gems from her website. She has a biography oh on Oh my there. gosh, I read this too and I was like, girl, you did not have to go that like like that. <laughs> She's like a high school girl. This is playing the mash. funniest thing because this is what I was reading and I was like, girl, I don't know, nobody asked. <laughs> Nobody accused you right here, she says, but go on. I am an extrovert, loyal, real, affectionate, and discreet person that knows when to talk, listen, and keep it to myself, which made hundreds of people not to hesitate in opening their hearts to me, being able to think in a loud voice with me. I have got a childlike personality. I think that it is because I was never able to live as a child as I grew up unknowing what it is usual to children, toys, dolls, bicycles, and others. I Here's get, where I- it's like, girl... <laughs> Okay. Woe is me, like every other person Mm -hmm, I hear. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Never during my turbulent life did I practice a single act of evilness or something that could disturb my conscience. Not one. And coming up from this calm, I maintain the assertion of my unquestionable dignity. False accusations flood me into terror. These were not absent since my childhood. Respect and education are part of my nature, and I implement them constantly. Something rare to see nowadays. (laughs) Jesus, toot your own horn. Oh my God, pat yourself on the back. I stand open-mouthed when hearing strong words said without any decency by young people, and frequently by senior people, too. Even on television. Even there? (laughs) A few months ago, I could describe myself as a healthy woman, and so I look like. But I am under medical care in several specialties, including a surgery that had not been by... It would have been unnecessary. Mm, Not sure what she's saying. As fun, I like swimming, dancing, singing, playing solitaire, squash, and volleyball. My friends, L-U-S, which is her cult, laugh at me when I mention how old I am. It is certainly apparent, as dynamism, I have much of it. Or I had something that I will recover soon. I thought I was born only to be a housewife, mother, and wife, but destiny conjugated a parallel of different ways. In my house, everything is in order, clean and full of flowers. The kitchen being my favorite place. 
What exactly is a full of flowers? <laughs> and why are you talking about the cleanliness of your house? <laughs> what are you talking about? I took from Mother Life what I considered bad, and I stored it up to remember that it has not to be practiced. I never betrayed, not even in thoughts. Lovers? Question mark. Neither did I have them, because I consider this as a negative factor. Didn't she have a husband? At one point. <laughs> Maybe Isn't this, that a lover? Maybe that was before she had her divine uh, interception. And the union has no sense. The separation will be better. So she definitely thinks sex is a negative, as we already saw. Don't confuse this bliss with sex. But the readers will ask, is Valentina the way she says? I am not who says that. But those who know me well and with whom I agree, yes. I am this way, and I do oh, exist. Lord. To exist does not mean to be able to think. <laughs> no, clearly not. <laughs> to exist is to be. <laughs> and to be is not an emotional question, but a way of behavior. One of the strongest faults is to feel myself greatly ashamed of others. I am incorruptible. I refused to accept when I was tempted to be corrupted and extorted. This caused big moral and financial damages to me. But I won, and I shall win. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so then she's going on about her trials and tribulations. So countless medical examinations, tests, and studies by psychologists, men and women, honest and arrogant psychiatrists, humiliations, anguishes, discrimination, disease, surgical operation, threats and attempted murder against my person, attempt to invalidate the decision of the people's voice, honorable jury, the wish of turning me into a prostitute, and much, very much more. Tens of lawyers, oral trial, and rear appearance of the truth, verdict of not guilty. What in the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck, dude? Liberation, dude. love, victory. What in the fuck? Kind of, I... She what? is on some drugs and decided to write her manifesto. What? Okay. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make, no. I mean, it's coherent, Slightly. I guess. Like, you can, you can understand the words of it. Sort of. But what? I don't know. I feel like Charlie Day wrote this. <laughs> Day man. <laughs> so after, so now we're going to move on to the twist of this story. After the conviction of the four men for the murders of the boys, police arrested Francisco das Chagas <laughs> Rodriguez de Brito, a Brazilian mechanic who happens to also be a serial killer. Mm. Just so happens. He confessed to killing 42 boys between 1989 and 2003. What the fuck? That's a lot of boys. That's a lot of, that's a lot of boys. In four years. In the same area in which these murders yeah. were, were happening. And mis disappearances. He was arrested in 2004 after neighbors in Sao Luis reported a terrible stench coming from his ramshackle home. Officers arrived and began to dig up his dirt floor where they discovered the decaying bodies of two boys, one a four-year-old named Daniel and another boy he called Diego. According to police, Chagas quickly admitted his guilt in the murders, along with that of at least 18 other young boys. Regarding the murders, they were very similar to those that had plagued Pará and Marañal from 1989 to 1993, and investigators said that Chagas lived in both places during the time of those murders as well. About his crimes, he exhibited psychopathic characteristics, lacking pity, lying, and justifying his actions, and he sexually abused and mutilated his victims. In his murders, he lured the boys to the forest where he mutilated and murdered them. Out of the myriad of boys he attacked, only three managed to survive, all in Altamira. He would pretend to want to help them out, help their mothers, essentially because he was searching for and picking out victims among the poor boys in the towns where he was living. His allegations were confirmed by the federal police, assisted by a serial crime specialist, Alana Kasoy. His confession and the killings stunned the area, even in Brazil, which has one of the highest murder rates in the world. Obviously because the crimes were so brutal and committed against children, but also because of the possible ties to a satanic cult that the earlier killings were reported to have. Which, come on people, why is that the only... It's always satanic. It's, why, and why do you have to... Like, out of the whole thing that happened, it's so horrible. But the thing that people were like, oh! Pearl clutching about is the fact that it may have ties to satanic 
rituals. Like, come on, that's not the biggest issue here. The trial, the trial was held in the auditorium of a club 1400 miles northeast of Rio de Janeiro because the courtroom they had was not big enough to hold the hundreds of victims' relatives. Oh my god. In September of 2004, six months after his confessions, he also claimed to be the person responsible for the deaths attributed to the doctors, Cecil and Sousa, saying, They have nothing to do with the Altamira cases that I talked about. If these people are arrested for that, it is in vain. They are innocent. But, on the same, in the same vein, in the course, same vein, this is a sociopath. Yeah, psych- of course he psychopath. wants to take. Of course, of course he wants to take credit for murder someone else did. And since when is someone like him so worried about someone else's innocence? Yeah. I don't think he no. would really give a fuck if I it, don't you know. It's not some like deep in my heart I know I should no. let these men no, go. No, 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 no. You're an absolute depraved piece of shit mm-hmm. so you're not going like these doctors shouldn't be in jail no 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 no. at trial he claimed he was driven to confess due to the torture that he was enduring at the hands of the civil police and either everyone is using the same excuse or maybe there's some truth behind these torture driven confessions that everyone keeps claiming are taking place but in this case they found two bodies under his floor so i think we can say he's at least killed two children yes but i'm pretty sure he's killed more right the prosecutor did present video of him describing in detail how he attracted the boys' attention and then proceeded to murder them by either strangulation or hanging them. Plus, the timeline of the killings does line up with the dates when he was living in each city, and he was right in the or he was in the right places at the right times to have been able to commit the murders. At least some of them. And I know that we just keep amending I, I know I do at least keep amending my statements, but I mean I he definitely did murder some some of boys. Of course. And we just aren't sure if he committed all of those murders. Because it would also be easy for them to say, Well, actually that guy did it. Oh yeah, you're right. You know, like let me out. I'm I'm innocent. And two in a two thousand four interview with BBC, Mr. Chagas said he had killed the boys because so, quote, something was guiding me, directing me. It was like a voice in my head, and it was that thing, the voice, that determined what happened. He and his sister testified that he had been abused as a child by his grandmother and a man named Carlito. Chaga saying when he was murdering the boys, he was seeing Carlito in a blind rage for which he could not account for all the details. Okay. In three years, this was Chagas's sixth convic- conviction for eight of oh the confessed God. 42 cases of homicide that has been internationally designated as the case of the emasculated boys. Mm-hmm. In total, he was sentenced to 223 years and two months. Two months? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that, that two months is what hits it over the edge yep. there. In prison for his crimes. Which is well-deserved, this fucking piece of shit. So, did Chagas really commit all the mutilations and murders? Were Valentina and her cult all victims of satanic panic? It does seem like the case against them was flimsy at best, but there are also troubling aspects of the cult that remain. For one, why were they investigated for these murdered boys over so many years, so many different cases? And, I mean, again, it could have just been... Simply the fact that the investigator was clutching pearls. But there may also be some reasons why they were investigated that we don't know or that made the police believe that their rituals that they were conducting definitely were harming somebody. Uh, some of their beliefs were definitely troubling in so far as how an unstable mind might interpret it and act on it, as we've seen happen in many cases. For sure. Like last week when we talked about Lori Ballow. I went into the story believing that we were covering a truly heinous and murderous woman who took advantage of people in order to get them to do her bidding, a la Charles Manson, as we said, but have been left a little unsure if she just led them to the awful situation of forfeiting their children in order to join her cult and not necessarily that they murdered innocent children. I don't really know. Maybe Chagas was a part of her cult even. Maybe she did orchestrate murders of little boys who she perceived to be evil based off her superior knowledge gleaned from her alien overlord. But when it comes down to it, we just can't be sure if she and her cult murdered any boys or not. One thing we can say for sure is quit the satanic panic, you pearl-clutching lunatics. But when it comes down to it, what happened there? Who knows? You know, and if they didn't, 
that sucks for her. For sure. Because <laughs> now she's going on manic rants on her website mm-hmm. about how she's, she's been innocent. yeah persecuted like all the other religious fanatics are. But, you know. So the sources that we used for this episode were various and they will be listed on our show notes for this episode. With Thank links you. for you to go follow and Portuguese yourself to death. <laughs> Practice your Portuguese, y'all. <laughs> we all know I need to. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, join our Facebook group, leave a five-star written review on iTunes, and we'll blast you all over our story because we greatly appreciate it and we love you. We love you. If you'd like access to some additional audio and, of course, a monthly little sum-sum, please be sure to find us on www.patreon.com slash creepitrealpod. Again, literally any little thing helps. And honestly, it's just going to go straight back to you guys. We had to close our Shopify store, Mm -hmm. but we are working on getting some merch put together by us for you. Yeah. And someone sent me a link today for a place where you can make custom pins for a pretty good price, too. That looked pretty cute. Anyway, thanks for listening. We love you. Have a great life. Have a great everything. Creep Creep it real. real.